Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. And welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, all the way from the extreme northwestern part of North Carolina, Congresswoman Virginia Fox, who represents that 5th District, sort of a wide-ranging area in northwestern North Carolina. She is now in her 19th year of service in the Congress, ninth term, and uh, we have uh, enjoyed a long-time relationship and friendship with uh, uh, the Congresswoman for many, many years. We want to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, in general, federal spending, the national debt, and uh, just generally the oversight and reform areas of the uh, duties of the Congress. So I'm going to just turn it over to you and let you go. Well, Don, I'm very concerned, as are most Americans right now, with where we are with the economy. Um, In the newsletter that I put out this week, I talk about inflation and the catastrophe that we have with inflation in this country. The average working person is really, really struggling in this country right now. Um, As we put out in the newsletter, as you're preparing for Thanksgiving, um, since uh, Joe Biden took office, prices for the most basic of commodities that we rely on have surged by 17.1%. Um, and when he took office, inflation was sitting at just 1.4%. So we're suffering. Gasoline prices are higher. They've come down a little bit recently. But uh, I know when I go to the grocery store, I shop often early Sunday mornings, and I go to the Markdown meat counter. That's where I buy my most of my meat, and they don't have much in the Markdown meat counter these days. Uh, but um, that's where I've, I've gone most of the time. And I think about the average family and I, I think, my goodness, how are you dealing with this? You got one, two, three, four kids. The prices are up so high and I'm very empathetic. Again, the price of gasoline, while it's come down a little bit, is still high. Let me tell you how the uh, average American family feels in polls, a recent AP poll Two-thirds of adults say their household expenses have risen over the last year. 73% of Americans say the state of the national economy is very, very poor. So we know Americans are feeling the pain of the inflation that's out there. And wages always, uh, uh, in the periods of inflation, wages it takes wages a time to catch up. Great. And some people are getting slight increases because the job market is so tight, but the wages are not keeping pace with the rate of inflation. So you might get a small raise, but you're going to wind up spending that and more. Are you concerned? Uh, that's a silly question. Of course, you're concerned about it, about uh, the national debt. Very, very concerned about it. And it's a very tough thing to talk about because the national debt is being driven primarily by programs that are called mandatory spending. It is Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and now interest on the debt. Our debt has gone up so high that the interest payment is a huge expense to us. And so 
the tinkering that we're doing around the edges with our yearly uh, expenditures, when our appropriations bills, that's only 17% of what we are spending. Seven More than 70% is on automatic pilot. So you and I are both on Medicare, I'm sure, because the government forces us to be on Medicare. We've paid for it through payroll, and now we're on Medicare. Don, what the average person doesn't know, I answered a letter last night from somebody who said, I want the money back that I put into the program. Well, the average couple on Medicare draws out three times what that couple has paid into Medicare. Any program run by the government is going to be highly inefficient And that's what's happened with Medicare. People think that they're getting what they paid for. They're getting two, three times what they paid for. Social Security, when it was begun, the average lifespan was 59 years of age. They set it up to be drawn out at 65. Now we're living to be almost 80. And when it began, 33 people were paying in. Now we're down to almost, it's two to one paying in. So more money's going out than is going in. So we have a real problem. We have to deal with those issues. But most people in elected office at the federal level don't want to touch them because they know older people vote. And if they start talking about making modifications to Social Security and Medicare, they're going to lose voters because it's very difficult to explain to people. Uh, I have heard from time to time people suggesting that uh, Medicare and Medicaid would be better off with the voucher system than the system we have. What's your thought on that? We know Medicare Advantage is a much better program. Uh, We'd be much better off if we didn't have the government running these programs. That's the bottom line. And, And we also need to do something about younger people and maybe giving them an opportunity to go into annuities. That's what President uh, George W. Bush tried to do, and uh, people wouldn't support him for that. So we have to deal with it, though. Otherwise, we know that in 2030, 2030 or 2034, Social Security is going to have to be cut back 25% if we don't do something fairly soon. And uh, usually we wait a little bit uh, late on that. Uh, We've had this same crisis several times in the past. Correct. The last time Social Security was modified was 1984, I believe. And with under uh, President Reagan, they made adjustments. They increased the age to 67 it's probably going to need to be increased a little bit more and people are probably going to have to pay in a little bit more. Uh, but it, know, we need to do that again, we need to do that with people age 50 and younger. That's what president uh, Bush had suggested. You know, one of the interesting things that people, I think uh, they always think about jobs being more of a personal thing, but with 9 million job openings, that's 9 million more people paying taxes to state government and to the federal government. And so the unemployment situation affects the revenue situation uh, uh, as much as as you can imagine. 
That is exactly correct. That's exactly correct. So what uh, what do you see as an answer to these these nine million openings? And uh, because I, I know our company, we've got thirty two openings, and we're not that big a company, right? Well, what we have to do again is we have to get to people earlier in their lives and help them understand what jobs are out there and help them find what fits them in life. And we also have to stop paying people not to work, Don. We have way too many people who are not working in this country, and that was set up under the Obama administration. We have uh, like 5 million men who are in prime working ages who, who are allowed to get Medicaid. They're not married. They don't have children. And we're paying people basically not to work. We need to stop that. Uh, I know of at least two situations in the, the area that I live, Raleigh, uh, where daycare is just not available because they don't have enough daycare workers. Um, and, of course, that affects people's ability to go out and fill some of these jobs. Uh, can the government help in any way with that? Well, we already are helping. I don't think it's appropriate for the government to help. I don't read that in the Constitution that we should be subsidizing child care. What we should be doing is reducing rules and regulations, and we should be making it possible uh, for people to go into the business a lot easier and have a lot more flexibility. Um, but I don't think the government should be subsidizing child care. We need to lower taxes to allow business and industry to pay people more money so they can afford child care. And, of course, if companies have more money and put more people to work, it, the effect on the budget actually is positive because more people pay taxes. Exactly, exactly. And that's part of our inflation problem. The government has taken so much money out of the economy that it is hurting uh, the economy dramatically. That's what has caused such a big difference. You know, the uh, one of the examples that Mike Walden uses, and Mike is on our program a lot, is that the, the economy is actually like a balloon. And when you push in one place, it pops out another. It, but the same amount of air is there. Exactly. Now, that's a good analogy. And by the way, I, let me compliment you on your newsmaker programs. I listen to them uh, most weeks, and you do a great job. Um, I love hearing Dale Falwell explain things, Mike Walden, other people that you've had on the show. Well, those are two that uh, really have a great understanding of how the economy works, and and uh, I have some great ideas and thoughts. And and uh, but it is a complicated situation. And of course, you know, uh, one of the things that has always sort of bothered me is the fact that Congress. The Congress is elected in two-year terms, and so you're constantly, uh, your members are forced to constantly be thinking about re-election. Yes, but that's good, uh, Don. I think the only, the biggest mistake they made in in the Constitution is allowing senators to have six-year terms. See, I'd reduce the senator's terms <laughs> and have it maybe four. Um, you see, the members of the House are very close to the people, and I think that's good. Well, uh, you know, that is good. And, of course, uh, most of our, our Congress uh, members, because they're so close to Washington, are able to save a lot of time and be back in the district. How much time do you uh, have for the district versus the time you're in Washington? 
Well, we're normally in Washington four days a week, and I come home every weekend, and I generally do two to eight events every Saturday. So when there are things going on, I try to participate. I go to the farmer's market and just walk around a lot of times, or I'll go to parades, or I'll go to ceremonies that are going on, or I meet with people in my office individually. I talk to people on the phone. I'm very, very, very visible in the district, and I'm very accessible to people. I probably am the most accessible member of Congress that I know, and but I have some friends who do that too. Some don't do that, uh, but I just happen to think that's part of my job. I don't do a lot of polling. People ask me that because I don't need to. As I said, I answer my own mail. I talk to people on the phone and I hear people on the weekends uh, when I'm home. And I meet with people if they come to Washington. I have constituents meeting with me every day in Washington. I figure if they go to the trouble to come up there, I'm going to meet with them if at all possible. I meet with a wide ranging uh, groups of people too. It's not just one group. I meet with with school kids. I meet with manufacturers. I met with a dairy farmer this past week and a, a large animal vet and some other farmers. So I meet with a wide ranging uh, group of people. Uh, I meet with military, all kinds of people, because it's important to hear from those people as to, again, how the economy's uh, affecting them, what's happening with uh, people working. Everybody's got a problem with workforce. Nobody can find employees these days. Well, it, being a good listener is certainly a great, great uh, habit because that's where you really learn what's going on and uh, how you can uh, carry out your duties and responsibilities. And I'm sure that's uh, always welcome to those who talk with you because they know you're listening and really hearing what they're saying. Our guest is Congresswoman Virginia Fox from North Carolina's 5th District. We have one final segment. We're going to turn to foreign affairs, amongst other things, in the next segment. You stay tuned. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain sleet and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon... There's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. 
We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, the uh, uh, Congresswoman from the 5th District of North Carolina, that's the northwestern part of our state, uh, the upper northwestern part. Well, I guess northwestern explains it. And that would be Congresswoman Virginia Fox. And she is in her 19th year of serving uh, that district, which moves around a bit from time to time, according to redistricting, and will again in this upcoming election. But uh, we have sort of saved this last segment to talk about foreign affairs because so much in the news right now, the Israeli situation and also the Ukraine-Russian war and how those are affecting not only uh, those countries, but also world affairs. Uh, I'm just going to sort of turn it over to you and just say, bring us up to date on uh, what your opinions and thoughts are in that regard. Well, thanks, Don. First thing I want to say, though, is thank you to Curtis Media for not just this program, but lots of programs. Uh, I'm a I'm an inveterate listener of the radio. I've always loved hearing the radio when I'm home early in the mornings, uh, particularly. That's about the only time I am home when I'm home. I actually in D.C. I listen to the radio, too. Because uh, I don't have a TV in my apartment. I'm not in my apartment long enough to have television. So I listen to the radio, local radio. I get the news, the weather, um, the traffic up in D.C. We don't have that yet in our area, but might need it one of these days. And uh, I thank you. And I love Mark Norris. He's new on WATA in Boone, and he's just doing a fabulous job. So congratulate him. Um, we do have to deal with foreign affairs in the in the house and in the senate you know um we have a federal government designed for the defense of this nation many people don't realize that our federal government that's its number one role don now we've gotten involved in the federal government with a lot of other things and i often talk about that education health care and other things which we ought not to be involved in. We really should be focused on national defense. And that's a concern of mine. The open border is a great concern of mine and of of many people. It's becoming a concern, I think, of Democrats and Republicans. And I won't get into the political aspect of that right now, but everybody's concerned about the border. And Partially, we're concerned about the border because of the threat of terrorists coming in. And we just saw what happened in Israel. Um, Hamas uh, came up out of their tunnels and attacked innocent Israelis, killing 1,400 of them and uh, taking over 240 hostages. We had Americans killed. We had people of several nationalities. There are several nationalities being held hostage. And let me be perfectly clear, we have to wipe out Hamas. And um, Israel cannot continue to live in the situation that it's living in. The attack on Israel must be condemned in the strongest terms. And I believe that Israel has every right to defend itself from these Iranian-backed regimes of just ruthless killers. I did not go see the video they showed this week that they took off of the body cams of the killers, killing babies, cutting people's heads off, cutting babies out of mother's bodies and being happy about it. I can't, I couldn't go watch it. Um, but I, I want to say that um, we, we have to support Israel in its efforts. 
um, to wipe out Hamas. I've been a supporter of Israel all my life. Uh, in 2018, the House passed a resolution I authored that called for the demilitarization of the Palestinian territories. Uh, but we have to do something now. We have to work with Israel and get this done. And we need to support Israel at every stage of the game. I'm also concerned about what's happening in Ukraine. Um, the bottom line is that in the case of Ukraine, it's in our best interest that Russia is stopped dead in its tracks and not emboldened to push beyond Ukraine and the rest of Europe. And I think that is definitely a strong possibility. You know, uh, Putin said the worst thing that ever happened in the 20th century was the breakup of the Soviet Union. We know that China's watching what's happening. China's watching whatever we do to figure out what it can do. China wants to conquer the world. It has for a long time wanted to do that. And I'm very concerned about it. I'm also very concerned about how what's happened in the Biden administration and with Joe Biden, how that's affecting his decisions on foreign affairs. I'm on the Oversight and Accountability Committee, and we're conducting an impeachment inquiry into President Biden and his family's influence. What we have found on is from Russia, from Kazakhstan, from China, that the Biden family has been paid up to 20 million dollars. And what we don't know is how much that has influenced the decisions that President Biden is making as it relates to these countries, China, Russia, and other countries. Um, we know that they've been given $20 million. We've released the bank records showing that. And what they do is they channel that money through as many as uh, 20 different LLCs and bank accounts. What we don't understand is why in the world would they be hiding this money if the money was not gotten for nefarious purposes? So what the decisions that President Biden is making um, may be being influenced by the money that he has received from various entities particularly China. And so we're very worried about that. But I want to talk again, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, all of these things are tied together because we have to defend our nation. And part of the way we defend our nation is by supporting these other nations to stop foreign adversaries from advancing. Again, in, in terms of Ukraine, we've put a lot of money into Ukraine. It's become very, very controversial. But I am firmly convinced that Ukraine is going to stop Russia and um, de, not demilitarize Russia, but take Russia to the point of even greater weakness and help us in our national defense. In terms of Israel, we have to do everything we can to help Israel wipe out Hamas because Hamas and Hezbollah are being given money by Iran, and that's where the real problem lies. So national defense is our number one issue. That's where we should be focused, not on other areas, but we live in an increasingly dangerous world, Dom, 
and we have to pay attention to that. We focus too much internally, I believe, in our country and not enough on what's going on in other countries to become educated. And you mentioned earlier about how uh, when we money is spent in one area, it has an impact on other areas. Well, what happens overseas has an impact on us in this country, too. And we need to pay attention to all of that. Do you believe that the majority of the Congress shares your opinions on Israel and the Ukraine as far as expenditures? Um, it's pretty split right now on Ukraine, uh, but so far the majority has uh, seen the light, I think, on that issue. In terms of Israel, yes, we are very much united on that. Now, there are, there's a group of progressives in the uh, House, and there's some in the Senate who do not want to fund Israel. Um, we don't give a lot of money to Israel each year. We have helped with the Iron Dome, which has made a huge difference to them in terms of their defense, because they're bombarded every day. I think it's difficult for people to understand what would it be like if every day you had to run into a bomb shelter because missiles were being fired at very close range. And that's what the Israeli people have to deal with every day. And they're still dealing with it as they're fighting Hamas right now. That's why every every home has a bomb shelter in Israel. And so they they are dealing with this every day of their lives. So that's why we have to do something about Hamas. We need to do something with Iran. Uh, I haven't, I didn't mention earlier that President Biden is allowing Iran to have more money. President Obama gave Iran billions of dollars when he was in office in cash on pallets delivered by our uh, military aircraft. And what did they do with that money? They are developing nuclear weapons. A nuclear Iran is a threat to all of humanity. We cannot allow that to happen. Israel can't allow that to happen. They call us the uh, big Satan and they call Israel the little Satan. They do not want us to exist. And we have to pay close attention to that. We cannot let Iran get a nu get nuclear weapons. And the policies of President Obama and President Biden have encouraged that. But we need to help Israel all that we can. We need to be very careful in how we give money to Ukraine. We need accountability for that money and to know that that money is going for um, de the defense of the Ukrainian people, and ultimately for our defense. We've got about 30 seconds to answer a big question. As you go back to Washington this week, what's your top priority? Well, my top priority will be, um, again, getting the focus on the bills I have to deal with. We'll be introducing bills related to education in the workforce, that's my top priority. And then I will be dealing with other issues that are coming up from other committees. So it's always a mixed bag, Don, and we have a lot on our plate to deal with. 
Well, thank you for being so candid and for all the insight on what's happening in Washington. And uh, our guest, of course, has been Congresswoman Virginia Fox in her 19th year of serving uh, the state of North Carolina in the 5th District, which is, of course, as we said, the northwestern part of North Carolina. Uh, if you uh, uh, are listening to a station that carries only the half-hour version of this program, you can hear two segments that, uh, that you did not hear by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. That's carolinanewsmakers.com. Or if you'd like to share the entire broadcast or hear a repeat of the broadcast, you can also do the same thing, carolinanewsmakers.com. Jason Kong has produced our program. He lines up our guests each week, and he's promised me faithfully that he will have another interesting guest again next week on this same group of stations all across North Carolina. It's my pleasure to be with you each week, and we look forward to being back next week. Same time, same station. So the next week... Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Carolina Newsmakers.